Hello, everyone. Welcome to Culture with Leslie the Third. We're talking AEW tonight, post show. We're talking wrestling, all the wrestling topics. I got some wrestling experts joining me for the discussion uh, tonight. As soon as they want to hop on, anytime you want to make a call about wrestling or about anything at all, this is your show, folks. This is culture. Anything is possible tonight. Anything you want to talk about. And looks like we have our first, our guests are on the line. Let's see here. Let me. All right. And we got Norman. Hello. Thank you so much. Hey, how's it going? Good. How are you guys? I am great. I am great. I thought that was a wonderful dynamite. What about you? I loved it, man. Yeah, I had a blast. I mean, I was like covering it for work, but yeah, I mean, it was just. Yeah, thrilling. Much better than last week's. Much better than anything WWE's done this week. Um, yeah, just awesome. Yeah, and WPWN, I don't know what to call you. I only know about you by your oh. handle. Oh, my name's William. William. Well, thank you so much, William, yeah, for joining us. WP is uh, William Patrick. All right, and you're uh, and you're the yeah, plug your stuff. Tell me uh, what you do before we get started on the show. I'm sorry for being oh. such a rude host. <laughs> I do I do 500 different things. Um, I do a retro gaming podcast called Giraffe Feels that is vaguely on hiatus right now. Um, uh, I do the Hardcore Show Flyers uh, Flyer Archive. Um, that is just coming back for 2022 um, next week. I'd actually plan to start it up again this week, but this week's the first week of classes, so that actually ended up being a little chaotic. I'm also in the process of potentially buying a house, so things are busy. Well, Um, uh, that archiving those gig flyers, that's doing the Lord's work. Did you see... But did you see the the flyer for the, the While We Were Young, When We Were Young Fest? One of yeah that <laughs> yeah that that's yeah that stuff is not covered on hardcore show. <laughs> I, I I only vaguely even knew. I stopped like being even remotely knowing what like popular music was when I was like twenty. So I I've been just listening to Discharge and Native Approach for like every day for and like. John Coltrane and Max Roach. I have no idea what any of that stuff is. I know it's not something I would. I, I'm not going to lie. There's a few bands on there that I kind of like, but overall, something there was something very like insidious about the whole thing about them just coming out with this ugly flyer that's full of all these like nostalgia trip bands. Messed me up. Yeah. Yeah, I like I love Glassjaw. I would like to see like Glassjaw, but so, yeah. but as you know, I, I, I did Kitty from back in the day, but you know, it did it did seem like so like none of these bands would have done this before COVID, but yeah. now it's like right. like right. like none of them would have been all on the same bill together, yeah. but now that they they're they're really to just let it rip and just like cash in as soon as fast as possible. The, the thing that drives me crazy, too, is the, like, 900 band shows. Yeah. I, 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 I just, I, I guess I just have, like, real, like, I have, like, really bad ADHD, and I have, like, anxiety issues. 
So like hardcore shows that are like more than four bands are like a problem for mm-hmm. me. And, and, and like these big fests where, yeah, over like four days, like, yeah, a thousand bands play. That sounds like a nightmare to me. Yeah. It's no fun. It's, and you spend the, yeah. you miss half really? the bands you want to see. Like, the, the be- I, I mean, we, we were here to talk about wrestling, but we ended up talking about uh, rock shows, but I guess it's, it is a little bit uh, related. Yeah. The yes. thing is, is, that when we were young festival, isn't that all on the same day? Is it like all those bands in one day? Uh, let me see. Oh, it, really? I think, I could be wrong about that, but I feel like they're all on the same day, which is, it, which is just ridiculous because <laughs> there's going to be so many clashes like all the people are so excited they're gonna but they're gonna get to see like you're gonna get to see like three bands if you're lucky right 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 and it's such a weird thing we're weird titles like you don't want to remind people that they're old like i know <laughs> i'm old right. if i'm going to see my Chemical Romance. You don't tell me on the flyer that I'm There's old. also a couple of bands yeah. on there and, that are like and, new. And really... there's, like some, there's like some newer bands on there, like uh, Wolf Alice and stuff. So I'm like... I'm like... Yeah, Wolf Alice <laughs> snuck in there. I actually... Inter- I, I got to interview uh, the lead singer of Wolf Le- oh, okay. uh, Alice in Japan. That, yeah, um, that's, the only th- that's the only thing I can say about it. I just interviewed yeah. her. <laughs> there's nothing else <laughs> interesting about it. But uh, yeah, I do, like they snuck in there... Like and I think the Lisa Le- the Linda Lindas are yeah, like, they're also like school. <laughs> yeah they're in like high school right now so I don't know what they're doing. Yeah. But well, I hope the and, people who go have fun. I hope the people that go have a good time. And also, my homeboy, Philip, thank you so much for joining us on Culture. What's up? How's it going? Hey, Phil. Oh, just unmute your mic at the bottom. Everybody yeah, forgets. It's at the bottom. It's at the oh, bottom. Yeah. Sorry about that. Sorry about that. I'm no problem. It happens every t- every yeah, single person the first time out there. <laughs> All right. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for thanks for doing this. It's cool. Yeah. Just a, just a quick note on that band that band thing. I saw that list and it's overwhelming. And I remember going to Warp Tour in 2004, and you know I was like I saw a lot of cool bands, but it's like 30 minute sets and you miss people and. <laughs> I, it, I, I kind of like, I don't like those festival shows. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Totally agree. Yeah, I want to see some of these bands at like small, like, reg- like regular concerts. Well, I guess that's not happening anytime soon. But we still got pro wrestling to talk about. Yeah. Hey, yo, AEW Dynamite. Now, I was actually shocked by how good this episode was. I actually didn't think this the lineup was as stacked as it ended up being, but the matches seemed very good to me. But maybe I'm mm. out of line here, but what did y'all think of the show? Just take your turns. I thought it was good. Um, I I it, I was very happy to see John Moxley back. Um, oh, that was a great promo. Yeah, the the welcome that he did and 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 somebody heckled him. I, I guess I I I heard him. I was kind of walking back into the room when he was yelling at the guy. Um, that seems like a really weird thing to go to a wrestling show and then, <laughs> and then uh, abuse the dude who's coming back from uh, having some personal issues. But mm-hmm. um, I thought that was a great promo. Uh, I was pretty fired up about that. Um, 
you know, oh, uh, oh, that was such good shit. Like, the only thing I drink now is blood. blood that was yeah, killer. Yeah, I like that. Especially especially given recent events where, um, you know, uh, uh, Ali Impact has made Vincent, Vincent Kennedy McMahon very uh, 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 his feels <laughs> recently. Oh, not, yeah. not, 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 to, not to derail, but I did want to talk about that because Ali... AKA uh, the bunny, AKA Terry Bomb. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's my yeah. homegirl from back in the day. Yeah. That's yeah. that's my round. That's my Wody. And she is one of the coolest people in the world. Absolutely love her. And that match was fucking awesome. I thought it was mm-hmm. one of the best uh, things I've seen. One, a gr- <clears throat> absolutely great hardcore match. I swear to God, the thing I like most about AEW is that when they do the hardcore matches right it does make me feel like okay this is like fmw this is like ecw this is some really really good shit it's brutal it's violent but it's also creative and innovative i absolutely loved uh that match and for wwe to to have to put out like a press release condemning it because <laughs> they know it's good and they know it's something that they absolutely could never offer in a million years Mm-hmm. And, and what's self-mutilation right they said self-mutilation or something like that yeah self-mutilation which i would th- is just basically the description of professional wrestling yeah. from jump <laughs> but uh yeah it was what's crazy about it too is a couple of years ago they and i don't remember what year it was like four or five years ago i guess remember when they did the whole thing where um where they didn't want randy orton to blade so they had Brock mm. Lesnar just like beat the shit out of him until he yeah. did. Yeah, that was a so SummerSlam, weird. I think, right? Yeah, yeah. It's just it's so weird. How and he got a legit co- concussion from. Yeah, it. right, right. I saw somebody tweet that the other day. Yeah, that's uh, it's just so it's so weird. But you know, McMahon did this back in the nineties with Ted Turner too. <clears throat> you know, he he um he put out a letter. It was in like. USA Today or one of those kind of like papers and and all like uh you know kind of concerned trolling things that were happening <laughs> in WCW. So you know this is this is from the old playbook uh that I, I guess he thinks is still going to work. It's real carny shit. It's proper proper carny shit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But actually yeah, with less yeah. less class. Oh, absolutely less class because he's trying to like paint this narrative that AEW is like this disgusting outlaw company. But they even in the press this press release, he had to mention that back in the day, back in the attitude era, we did do some of that stuff. All right, all right, we did a lot of that shit. It's uh, but <laughs> they, but the thing is, they actually did it. They didn't have four high quality, highly trained women wrestlers go out and have right. a badass hardcore match they had um barely trained models and that's not insult the models that's to show how irresponsible wwe was go out and have these pillow fights and slot bucket fights and when they had had real wrestling matches a lot of them ended up getting injured when their their goal yeah their goal was never to become professional wrestlers in the first Mm -hmm. place they were they felt pushed into it some of them felt pushed into using like steroids like these are Mm -hmm. you know models you know these are you know this is not what they choose that's very different than a Britt baker or or a cherry bomb who's been wrestling for 15 years and knows what the fuck she's doing 
Yeah, yeah for, for for WWE to get on its high horse about absolutely anything is just ridiculous. I mean, Vince McMahon basically killed a guy in the ring in 99. So for them to like get on their high horse about yeah. self-mutilation and shit like that is just uh, farcical, really. And, and, yeah. You know, today's the um, the 30th anniversary of, of one of my favorite shows ever, uh, Royal Rumble 92. Mm-hmm. And, and and I love that show so much, but one of the really sad parts of it is there are a lot of people who are dead in that Royal Rumble. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and like that era, like 90, 91, 92, 93, there's just like, there's a lot of bodies in, in those Royal Rumbles. And for WWE to come out and yeah like you know do some kind of moral hand wringing about um women bleeding such bullshit yeah things that they used to do yeah new jack who uh, infamously (laughs) bled a lot right had this and infamously self-mutilated and other mutilated at times had had said that the reason like all these wrestlers are dead all these wrestlers people are dead this is a great quote from him about Vince McMahon is because Vince McMahon wanted a locker room full of Chippendale dancers deciding that all the wrestlers had to be these massive beefcakes that had to be roided up at all times killed more wrestlers than almost anything else you can think of certainly more than uh, blading ever has and, and you see and you see that in that era too over in wcw too you see people like terry taylor tom zank um you know people like that that tried for that look and it just like it didn't go any like it doesn't get over even mm-hmm. yeah it does it like even lex luger is somebody yeah, right. Who struggled for years and years. This is one of the things I, I love to talk about with wrestling. People are finally starting to realize that the personal predilections of Vince McMahon are not the objective reality of what draws in wrestling, right? The idea mm-hmm. used to be that, oh, in professional wrestling, you had to have big, you know, muscular guys. No, WWE, that was the WF model. They were the most champion, they were the, the most um, successful company at the time, and they happened to be focusing on that. But he was most successful because of his business practices and his willingness to destroy other companies buy up go after their tv deals go after their sponsorships it what wwf was never number one because it was the best wrestling product that legitimately drew the most fans i think uh, uh, the even the way that the wwf tours like the circus sort of reveals how flawed their storytelling is. Uh, Jim Cornette likes to say, if WWF had to run the same building, the same town, like you had to in the territory days, week after week, month after month, and get people there, you, he said you could set off a hand grenade and not hit anybody after, you know, week 10. It's one thing if you're the circus coming to town once or twice a year to get people to come out. But when you look at actual really great wrestling promotion, like a mid South or, you know, classic NWA where they were able to get the same people coming week after week after week. That's real wrestling to me, folks. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, I went to my first show in, in 86 and, and you know what the days have a really good model for this where you would have the, like, my, my first main event was Hulk Hogan and Adrian Adonis. And Hogan won by DQ. And what they what they would do back then is, because they would come to your area, and, like, I grew up in Jersey, so, you know, they were in the area. But 
you know, like four months from now, they're going to come back and, oh, oh, Hulk Hogan didn't win. And then at intermission, you know, Howard Finkel or whoever would get on the mic and be like, oh, well, they're going to be back, you know, in a couple months and uh, we're going to have a rematch of them and it's going to be in a steel cage. And you go, ah, <laughs> dad, dad, we got to go. And, 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 and you go and they did that for years. And then once they got, like the TV and all, like Raw started in 93, they really got away from that formula that worked in the house shows. Mm, yeah. All right. So let's get back into this dynamite. What was yes. all your uh, favorite uh, moments? Uh, uh, moments. What were your favorite uh, matches of the show? Um, I, I thought the main event was fun. I think I've seen them do... Uh, I think I've seen Darby do that that same deal before, where he get, you know gets taken out early and then uh, comes back in and with a, with a with a lot of a lot of heat and ends up getting the win. But um, I thought that was a lot of fun. My I I really really lo- it wasn't it wasn't like it was objectively not like a great match, but I had a blast watching the uh, the Kings of the Black Throne. Oh yes, I knew you were going to say that. that. Yeah, I what? thought that kicked ass. <laughs> they just murdered them poor boys. And it was it was great. I, that's what I want to see. Like AEW really does a good job like having squash matches that don't make anybody look bad but make for great TV, especially with Malachi Black. In fact, I, I kind of was upset when he started to have longer matches and having more back and forth. I thought it was cool when he just came out and like killed dudes and it was great to see him get back to that. Yeah, and him and Brody King together I think is great and so yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing where that goes. And then I also I'm kind of digging the the I, I tweeted about this, but I'm digging Soulsborne Punk uh Soulsborne Pack. Oh <laughs> yes, that's some forward. cool shit. Yeah. That's some cool shit. I was just thinking like man, AEW just needs to put out like a comic book. Like they have the characters like for it, some sort of dark fantasy adventure adventure or something. Also, they finally found a character for 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 Pack that his accent fits. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so yeah, good show, good show. Um, yeah. I really liked. I really liked the um, the the intergender match a lot. Oh yes, and yeah, I yeah. was really surprised because I I mean intergender is kind of like a from what uh, a WWE invention where the men don't t- touch the women. I've never right. really liked it, but man, they, they kept breaking the rules. So it was actually like, mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. I, I, I really like the, they, um, the, the, uh, Canadian destroyer on the ramp. That looked, Oh like yeah. Really yeah, that was, that was brutal. yeah. I thought that was one of those moves where like, as it, as it was happening, like halfway through, I was sure that it was going to go wrong and someone was going to break their fucking neck. And then she yeah. just like landed it perfectly. It was just, it was awesome. Yeah. That intergender match, I wasn't, you know, looking forward to it. I was hoping they would just do straight up, uh, straight. Uh, excuse me. It was a mixed tag. That's what they call it. Mixed tag instead of oh, intergender. Okay, yeah. That's right. Yeah. So it's mixed tag where they just, you know, they're supposed to tag out, but immediately they start breaking the rule and breaking the match in a way mm-hmm. that was interesting and fun and made all the wrestlers look absolutely great. I love that Britt like went through the table, but then Adam Cole comes 
down not to comfort her but to tell her that he had won the match and how good yeah. he had done <laughs> he was knocked out i absolutely yeah. love that little interaction they're like that was a great they make a great tag team i would actually like to see a bit more of that yeah well yeah i was saying uh to my wife earlier they, they should have um Britt Baker and Adam Cole do like a machine gun Kelly Megan Fox character thing. <laughs> <laughs> the most unbearable couple in the world. <laughs> oh man, I just I'm just thinking about like I never really got Adam Cole until like he came to AEW. And it's like AEW does a really good job of making him seem like a very like cool guy. He's just like a super cool guy who's a good athlete and good at wrestling, and that's it. And you're and then where can you see him? AEW. Like I can see they do such a like if he was in WWE, they always have to undercut all their characters, all their wrestlers. Like so far, Adam Cole, he's just like, his only flaw is the fact that he has like a conflict between his loyalties and his friends. But the, at no point has he ever made, been made to like look bad or foolish or like he looks like a million bucks at all times. And at any day he could walk into the tile pitcher or he could never walk into the tile pitcher and still have a great uh, run in uh, as a wrestler in AEW. I, I thought it was yeah. interesting when he debuted. I just rewatched that um, a couple days ago. It came up in my YouTube recommendations. And so, you know, Kenny does the whole, um, you know, nobody can beat me except for, you know, even if someone's dead and everyone gasps and, and cause they know it's Adam and he comes out and he just like slides right in with those guys and, and and like I mean, because he's got a pass with them, but he just like fits right in, like perfectly into like the the vibe they have in 2021. Not you know 2016 Ring of Honor or whatever, mm. you know New mm-hmm. Japan. He just like perfectly fits right in, and then mm-hmm. you know Kyle and Bobby come in, and and they just kind of slide right in too. It's it's really. Mm. It's really, particularly with Adam, it's really impressive because they kind of did him dirty in NXT, I think. And and I'm just really impressed by how that's how they've been able to facilitate that so far. And it's only been, what, five months? Four months? Yeah. Yeah, yeah they've brought in so many great wrestlers and almost too many. Uh, too many use because people like Brian Cage uh, end up off the show, but it also shows their resilience because they were able to do like a million viewers without Moxley, without Omega, uh, with you know, like without their you know heavy hitters. I think uh, a week on their TBS debut. It's just I I really just really loved uh, this episode. I was surprised. By the things like I want, I kind of wanted to tune out that I ended up really liking. Like even, I, I love that they went with, with the straight squash for the CM Punk uh, match. Yeah, that was great. Like, yeah. that, that was that, that was perfectly timed, perfectly executed. Like I, you couldn't do that segment of TV any better, and it feels very, very old school wrestling. Like mm-hmm. this is yeah. like very, very old school NWA style. Uh, a feud and it just works and you know why does CM Punk keep wrestling all these guys because MJF his contract says he doesn't have to wrestle that much unless he feels like it and so he's not going to give CM Punk a match till he puts him through a ringer and they've done just 
great storytelling. That Wardlow match uh, the week before, that was amazing. Like, all those goddamn power bombs, beautiful. And the whole thing was a big Bret Hart homage, too. Yes, yes, I saw the oh, yeah. match with Diesel. Yeah, there's a video online where they, um, where somebody like put them together. And yeah, I feel like every, every week that happens with Punk. There's like, it's really cool. Like, here's this uh, little low key uh, Bret Hart tribute that Punk slid in. Uh, and people always keep, keep editing these videos in it. Yeah, it makes it, it adds a layer, like a, a little layer of enjoyment, I think, to, to Punk's work right now. Um, and yeah, like you said, the, the squash was was perfectly done. He bet his his facials were excellent. He barely took his eyes off MJF the whole time. Um, and when that match finally does happen, it's going to be, you know, I don't I don't even know if it's going to be like a, a really good technical match. I assume it will be, but even if it's not, it's just going to be this like cathartic experience because they've built the story up so well. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't have to be good, you know? It doesn't yeah. at this point. It just has to happen. And that's what you want in a professional uh, wrestling feud uh, buildup. Exactly, yeah. I'm excited. So they're trying to build up Lance Archer, who I love. I will. I love Lance Archer no matter what. He won me over in tech, Austin, Texas one time. Small show. He's been released from WWE for not that long, you know, long enough where he could have had to about it, but he didn't. He put on a great show at the small indie, like absolutely killed it against this guy, you know, half his size, busted his ass, worked the crowd, absolutely won me over. And I've been uh, a Lance Storm, uh, a Lance Archer a supporter ever since. But what do y'all think about his build now? To the title run. I hope he wins some more like matches or a tournament or something in order to solidify it as opposed to just, you know, being given a match because he is like mean enough and about it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean really it feels loved... it... Oh, go ahead, dude. Um, I really love that he's got Jake with him too. Um, oh that, yes, that's that so dude, good. That dude was when I was a kid and going to to MSG Meadowlands, you know, Nassau County Coliseum. Mm. That dude was thermonuclear over when he was a babyface. I mean, it was just incredible, and it's good to see him in a good place. Um, you know, he's doing something with DDP now, I guess, and. Yeah, it's it's really good because it was too bad. You know, when the network started, I watched a lot of the WWF stuff that I'd not seen during the Attitude Era, and they really did him so badly with all that stuff with Lawler. Um, Lance Archer's great. Um, you know, I I I I'm glad he's okay from when he had that neck issue too, because that landing was. Uh, was not good um you know i i like that that they did like an extended squash match i'm so happy in the aew era to have squash matches back mm-hmm. like like old school style uh yeah like is, well done well executed squash matches yeah. too not just like meaningless yeah squash yeah, matches <laughs> Right, right. Like stuff you'd see on like Wrestling Challenge kind of thing. It, it's so like I love watching like AEW Dark because it, it just it just feels like like it's 1989 again. It's mm-hmm. great. I, I, I miss that when, you know, I, I didn't watch a lot of stuff for a bunch of years. And when the network started, I mean, I was watching like New Japan and Ring of Honor and stuff like that. But 
when the network started, I remember I, I was like, oh, I, I might as well start watching Raw. And it was just like three hours of, yeah, there were no Brooklyn Brawlers or anything like that, let's say. Mm. I remember that, yeah. Um, yeah, and I, so for me, I'm I'm excited to see where the Lance Archer Hangman Page thing goes. It does, it is, I think it, I agree with you, Leslie. I do think maybe it would be good if they could put something in Archer's way before he gets straight to a title shot. I don't know if they're going to do that because as much as I love Archer, this feud does feel, I'm looking forward to see where it goes, but right now it kind of feels like a little bit of wheel spinning. Like they're just kind of like, just giving Hangman something to do until something until something bigger comes along until you know um, until Punk's ready to challenge or something like that you know but yeah obviously it's kind of like a holding pattern uh, yeah you know it, it you know he's a he's a transitional challenger Lance Archer yeah is yeah. but I'm looking forward to it but I do hope he wins like uh, I don't know they've done a lot of tournaments maybe they can do like a gauntlet. A gauntlet would actually be really nice. A gaunt and Lance Archer would really shine in something like that. Because I mean, he's got that great finisher, uh, the blackout. Um, I, the first person I saw do it was uh, Subasa Kuragaki. She calls it the metal wing. And even though the move, when you look at it closely, doesn't make sense, it's still really fucking cool. Yeah, those are the best moves, man. The ones that don't make any fucking sense but look awesome. <laughs> yeah, like why don't you just drop him on the head? Why you gently drop him on the, his back? Because it looks cool, all right. Don't ask any questions. <laughs> yeah, totally agree. But yeah, I'm sure I'm sure they're gonna have a good match. And yeah, like, I think it would be good. It would be funny if they had if they were like uh, if Hangman was like. Archie, you got you got to win a gauntlet before I give you a title shot, and then it was like a gauntlet match with just all little guys, <laughs> like, like, Fre- like Fredo and like smaller dudes. Oh, you know they could do just something like he goes out on dark, and he's like, "I want to get my win record up," so he takes on the next five people. He just does a whole dark by himself. That would that that would be something cool. Honestly, I can I- actually see them doing that. Like, they basically do do stuff like that, so. It's possible. I had hoped when um when Brian Danielson came in that that was going to be what he oh did. yeah yeah where he would be like oh geez guys I got to build myself up on the ranks so I'll see you on the dark elevation for the next two months every week <laughs> that would be good if they do that when he comes back he's got to start from the bottom again yeah yeah, yeah he's got to start from the bottom hey man I've been away I got to start from the bottom yeah I I mean for real though this is what the whole Big Swole Tony Khan controversy should have been about uh when Big Swole on that interview she was saying she wasn't saying that Tony she the main takeaway that people had for some reason was that she was trying to call Tony Khan racist which she uh was not trying to do she was actually mm-hmm. pointing out that uh what was much more important was that a dark and like AW does not have the hours for their roster on TV, so they need to have more structure when they do dark and use more of the contracted wrestlers and regular storylines, and stop bringing in as many you know any people as you can for like tryouts and stuff. Because she said it was very hard for her as a wrestler, you know, because she's working with people who are like she's in a major company but she's working with people who don't know what they're doing uh and like you know because they're having like tryout matches at the dark at dark instead of having you know a structured tv show and i wish AEW would take the time to do that because you have this 
awesome, amazing roster. So many women and so many tag teams that you just will never be able to fit on three hours of TV, but you could have so much other stuff going on with them. And, and they really need to have more feuds. Um, I mean, they just did the Sunny Kiss, Joey Janela uh, feud that I guess is over now. But, you know, mm. back in the old days, you know, that was what was one of the things that was really cool about like WCW Saturday Night and stuff like that, where you'd have these feuds that would happen in this, particularly once Raw started. And, like, Nitro started, you'd have these feuds that would happen in this, like, parallel world, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's something that Dark just doesn't have all that much. I mean, they've been brewing the Layla Hirsch, uh, Chris Statlander thing that blew up tonight um, on Dark a bit. But they really need to have more of that and less... Um, yeah, I think I think Big Swole's got a really good point about yeah, indie talent that you know no one's worked with before that um, a lot of them look very very green. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, yeah, like you were saying, like there's no reason why these kind of uh, the, you know the, the I guess Rampage is the B show, but you got Dark and Dark Elevation as like well, 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 Rampage is the A show. Let's be very clear about that. <laughs> the pre-taped A show, yeah. <laughs> no, is that more easily digestible uh, one as well? Yeah, That's the, the one that the one I hour on Friday night that often yeah. has like really consolidated good matches. Is and hook, the has hook. Show. <laughs> That's the one I put on and I can say to my wife, I'm like, this one's only an hour. And she's like, okay, yeah. it's the good yeah. one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, guys, after a long week at work, I don't know if I could do two hours on a Friday night. Yeah, actually, yeah, Rampage, I hope, it, I hope it never goes to two hours. It should always yeah. be one and it's, hour. And it's crazy because I used to, years ago, I used to watch those CMLL shows on Friday nights that somebody oh, would wow. stream on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And, and I would, like, watch whatever I was watching, and then I'd turn that on at, like, 10 o'clock, 10.30, and I'd catch, like, the semi, the semi in the main. And, but now, yeah, it's, like, post, like after all this COVID stuff and all, it's like, yeah, just give me a one hour show. I'm going to go to sleep. I, I just, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, those I, CMLL I, shows go on for like five hours, don't they? They're like really. Yeah. Yeah. Those CMLL long. Friday night shows were really long. Yeah. You'd, you'd, somebody would tweet out like the card for it and it would just be like, it would just go on like forever. And you're okay. Well, when's it start? All right. Going to hardcore shows for 25 years. I've mastered showing up late to things but, just yeah, in bang time, on time. The band yeah. that I want to see. <laughs> yeah, me so, too. <laughs> um, it was one of the first life skills I learned in the hardcore scene in the 90s. I... And, 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 and so CMLL shows, I was able to most of the time get that down pretty well. Uh, but yeah, really long shows. Yeah, I think the longest show I ever been to wasn't a wrestling show. It was actually an MMA show. It was one of the New Year's cards. It oh, was at, yeah, it, it was yeah, after yeah. Pride Phil. And that show, I swear to God, it started at like like one PM and then went till midnight. Like I only I like paid for the ticket. It was one ticket for the whole thing, but I only stayed for like two hours like for the like women's matches uh, early yeah. on. But like it just kept going until like midnight that night. 
there was some there was some show at, at CBGB once that we were at that started at like three p.m. and whoever we wanted to see was like the headliner, and they didn't play till oh no night one a.m. So we had to go like bounce out and go find something to do for a bunch of hours. Yeah. Yeah, I don't miss that. <laughs> no, man. Yeah, the older they get, the older, older I get, and the less time I have for shit like that. I'm yeah, well, that's now. I get angry too. now yeah, if I I band is late. I absolutely do not have time for that anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, no. On the weekend, I just want to chill out. I don't want to sit at a hardcore show for seven hours. <laughs> no, thanks. But yeah, I'd love to go. To, I've still actually never, I've never actually been to an AEW show because they haven't, I'm on the West Coast, they haven't done a show yeah. in California yet. Yeah, they canceled um, the one I was supposed to go to when COVID started. I feel like such a fool because I did not realize until I turned it on that the show tonight was in DC. Now yeah. I probably Where wouldn't have. Yeah, I probably would not have gone, but the fact that they even like consider it as an option mm-hmm. is uh, unfortunate. I feel. Yeah, you should have at least been in a situation where your mouth, your cursor was hovering over the. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I just absolutely uh, adored this show. Uh, thought the world of it. I, I, I'm getting really, really into AEW, and I hope they keep it up. I hope they keep it. You know, stay hot, uh, stay fresh. What do you all think they can do? Because they seem like they're on a good run. It's, it felt like when Punk came in initially. Danielson comes in initially. It was a big bump, then it kind of fell down. But then now they're back up with the punk, with the excuse me, with the Danielson Hangman trilogy. And this episode, even though it didn't feature, like I don't think Danielson was on it. Um, it, where Hangman was just in like a clip or something like that. It had a lot of what you know might call the B team, and it had a lot of promos on it. But it was still like a very. It felt like I watched a great professional wrestling show as opposed to just an hour of wrestling related uh, two hours of wrestling related content it felt like a show show well I, I think that the thing that they need to get better at is rotating people in and out mm-hmm. um i i saw on social media it looks like ty conti's away right now as well so sammy um you know kenny omega's out with injuries i still like the idea somebody on a wrestling podcast years ago, this was like five, six, seven years ago now at this point, was talking about one one on a show about this idea that like wrestling territories, you should be on like what's really like a nine month schedule. Yeah. Where you wrestle for nine yeah. months and then you you're just like you wrap up your feud and then you're out of the territory for three months. Yeah. Whether absolutely. it's just sitting at home playing Xbox or having surgery doing a gimmick change, whatever, whatever you're doing, you need to get out of there and come mm-hmm. back fresh. And I think that wrestling in general would be so much better if these companies were a little better at, like when Kenny comes back, he's going to come back like Moxley did tonight. Like, to yeah, the- yeah. welcome. Yeah. Huge pop. And, and even like people like, you know, who else wasn't on the show. Thunder Rosa was another one who gets these like, I don't know if you guys watch Dark and Dark Elevation, but the most over person at those tapings is Thunder Rosa. Mm. Like, like, like she gets this like massive pop every time. And so you keep her off for a couple weeks. 
you know, Rio was another one who. Oh yeah. You you bring her in, you know, every couple weeks, and the crowds reel into her matches. But when she was on every week, they were less into her, and she's yeah. amazing. Yeah. She's absolutely amazing, and and but you gotta, you know, they've got to be a little more frugal with how, you know. People will get sick of people. I mean, that was the thing that used to back in the old day. I know we keep talking about the old days, but that's like what I know. You know, in the old days, that's what like made people. You know, they wanted they didn't want to see these people anymore. You know, whether, you know, um, you know, there were all kinds of people like that. Uh, like The Rock when he first started, that was hell. Yeah, when when it came when wrestling became a TV show, you start you started yeah seeing the wrestlers get overexposed because they never left yeah. the show. And like I've been a big proponent of the three months, you know, off yeah. schedule, off season. But also the AEW does this other thing uh, with the wrestlers where you, they don't necessarily maybe not take time off, but they don't wrestle every week. Instead, they wrestle as often as say a UFC fighter more, yeah. might wrestle yeah. more, more like that, where uh, like MJF is that type of wrestler. He doesn't wrestle yeah. every week. He, every time he has a match is important. So he he and like uh, they did this the it really well with Sheeta and D when the feud started. Once Sheeta lost the title, she did not appear on TV until she had that first match, I believe, with D, uh, where where she was supposed to get her fiftieth win, and it was had this big you know promo package promoting it the week before, and that. 90 seconds of promo saying she is going for her 50th win against this uh, awesome competitor Serena Deeb did more for Sheeta and Deeb than having Sheeta do a bunch of tag matches on TV that don't mean anything in the prior few months. So there's a, yeah. there's many ways you can keep these wrestlers fresh either by just giving them a you know a chunk of time off or just making every booking matches like uh, MMA show does where every match is important counts and you talk about it and you promote it like it matters. And, and yeah, we need to... if, if if wins and losses are going to matter <clears throat> too. Mm-hmm. You you've got to have them where you know somebody's not ending up with on like a big losing streak. You know where you you're trying to heat them up, but then that win loss record comes on screen and you're like, that's not <laughs> <looking> good. <laughs> we have to we have to like normalize. Because I feel like wrestling fans have a tendency when if someone isn't on TV for a certain amount of time, then they we, people just assume that they're being buried. Or yes, yeah, yeah, just yeah, to, yeah. And I'm, we're not, I'm not talking about in WWE when literally because at WWE they they're independent contractors who aren't allowed to work anywhere else. So it's not the same as when WWE has, you know, when they had Andrade and weren't doing anything with him. Because no. that was straight up just squandering a talent. Well, it's even more than that because if, if it's, again, it's this WWE mindset. Like, yeah, in WWE, if you're not on TV, you're on your way out the door and, mm. up, and, and, and out the industry up until a few years ago, right? So mm-hmm. these, so wrestling fans are used to having these reactions like, oh, you know, Andrade is not on TV. Like, that means he's not being, basically not being paid and he's going to yeah. be fired eventually. But that's not what how it is in AEW. Like, you can exactly, escape yeah. that mindset and you can just, and this is one thing that Swole was talking about that I actually disagreed with a little bit. Her perspective was that she wanted to be on TV 
like every week wrestling regardless of how much she was paid and i think that a lot of wrestlers are plenty happy in AEW, like showing up when they're needed and still yep. getting paid the same amount now, sw- now some wrestlers are going to be very different that doesn't you know uh i'm not downplaying swole's perspective but that is like something that AEW offers that wwe does not offer and i think that's a pretty good deal for a lot of wrestlers well, the yeah, other thing definitely. too, as as COVID you know, you know, you know, slows, is people will be able to go on excursion. You know, oh, you know, oh so, yes. So look at so look at the territories that AEW is associated with. So you've got AAA, you've got Tokyo Joshi Pro, I guess Stardom too, kind of, but more Tokyo Joshi Pro. Um, just those two right there. You could send a whole imagine freaking Dante Martin in AAA with oh. some of the people they have. Um, there are a bunch of their women that would do really well doing a tour in in yeah either Tokyo Joshi Pro Stardom you know places like that where they would they would get a lot of really solid experience. Unfortunately, right now. You know, two of the countries that are really hit as hard as America by COVID are Japan and Mexico. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. You, you also, can't um, really do that, unfortunately. But you know, at some point, you'll be able to send people, you know, around the world in the same way that, like, you know, New Japan had such a great system for that with Ring of Honor and CMLL, and and you know, I saw. You know, I guess I think it was Jay White's last match in Ring of Honor when he was on excursion. Um, and, and you know, you'll be able to do that a little more. It's just right now, unfortunately. Yeah, like someone like Big Swole could have gone elsewhere for six months and then come back. Mm. And Big that is definitely for it. That is an advantage that AEW wrestlers, uh, a lot of them seem to have over WWE wrestlers, is that when at least when they're not being utilized, they can, it does seem like they can go and do some indie spots. You know, like yeah. Joey Janela has been doing indie shows consistently since he signed with AEW. Um, and he's even been on TV, he's even been on, on AEW shows because he's been on Dark and Dark Elevation and stuff. Um, yeah, we'll look at the, the GCW Mox, shows. Mox weekend. is the GCW champion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mox is the Mox is the champ. <laughs> yeah, I mean P, PWG, GCW, Defy. Oh, wait till yeah. Danielson shows up at, at PWG. That's that's oh, coming. Yeah. That's coming. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. And to think, it wrestling could have been like this the whole time. Like it could have been oh, like yeah. companies working together the whole time, but w, because WWE was started frowning upon it at a certain. Uh, at, at a certain point, even TNA like mimicked WWE's approach to like their wrestlers and how the wrestlers and the wrestlers' contracts and whether they can go on this or that indie show. They weren't as strict as WWE, but they mimic a lot of their the behavior. When it's like, who cares if your wrestler is wrestling some somewhere else? You know, on this or that given weekend, he might he or she might get hurt. He's a wrestler. He's already hurt. He's going to yeah. get hurt again. You're a booker. You should be able to deal with that. You shouldn't be so worried about a wrestler that you're not using going out and wrestling yeah. a little bit. Yeah. 
Yeah, and, and WWF did used to do that. They used to have oh, a relationship yeah. with New J- in the eighties, they had a relationship with New Japan. I mean, look at all those tiger mask matches in the WWF that mm-hmm. are on YouTube. And they had st- with with uh with Tenru's group, there's that that really cool Tenru Randy Savage match and the <clears throat> um the that crazy Ultimate Warrior Sergeant Slaughter brawl. Um there's some really cool stuff on they, the, on those those they, war shows. With, they with sent all that to ECW. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, yeah, and and yeah, they sent people to ECW. You know, you know, you know, WCW had a thing with Smoky Mountain and with EC and with ECW very briefly. Um, you know, when Arn Anderson and Bobby Eaton showed up in ECW for a minute, um, they had the thing with uh-huh. Smoky Mountain. You know, you know, with Triple A. Uh, you know, it, it, so so this. This was a thing that existed until it it didn't. Until only WWE existed, and then uh, the rest was history. But now things are turned around. Things are getting changing in wrestling. Hopefully, I and, think and the, for the better. And the women too used to come over. You know, Minami Toyota did did WWF stuff. Bull Nakano did. Yo, mm-hmm. yo, de- I, yo, uh, Manami Toyota. Manami Toyota never did WWF. I don't think. I, but, I think she like, did one match. Oh, Survivor Series ninety four five or something like that. Survivor Series. Didn't Liger, didn't Liger do like one WWF match as well? Before, yeah, he before did the he, NXT. The NXT yeah. thing. I feel like before, but, I feel like in the 90s or 80s, maybe he did like one, he did like one WWE spot and it was like a house show at MSG or something like that. I remember the NXT match with, um, with what's his name? Tyler Breeze. With Tyler Breeze, yeah. 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 yeah so actually, my Nami Toyota was not on the Survivor Series match, but that, but that did have a Lunder Blaze, aka Medusa, Kyoko Inoue, Sakie Hasegawa, uh, Chaparazzi, mm-hmm. Asari, RIP. Bertha Faye, a.k.a. Monster Ripper, uh, a, a great wrestler uh, misused by WWE. Yeah, very Aja, misused. Very misused. Aja Khan, Lioness Asuka, one of... It probably that was the who mo- I was thinking of, was yeah, Lioness Asuka. Who is actually probably more popular, a bigger name than Manami Toyota in the grand scheme of things. Even my, I, I consider Manami Toyota the greatest wrestler of all time. Lioness Asuka was in the Crush Girls, and that was just next level. And yeah, Tomoko yeah. Watanabe, yeah. So absolutely... Like they brought in the Joshi, but Vince, uh, the rumor is that Vince saw, I think, the Aja Kong versus uh, Chaparrati Asari match and was just like freaked out by how hard Aja Kong hit yeah. and he stopped bringing huh. in the Joshi. Well, and I then, have to tell you, one of the one of the things when I was a little kid that really blew my mind was the Jumping Bomb Angels. Oh, yes, yes, and, yes. What was that, like 87, 88, they did that run and... and I mean, in America, women's wrestling was just not like that at all. And, and and to see them come over and do what they did, I mean, it blew my mind. And then in the 90s, when you start seeing, yeah, like the women that came over in WWE, or like Akira Hokuto went to WCW, and then you start getting tapes, you know, you know once you're on the World Wide Web, you know, when you start getting tapes from people on like news groups and message boards, you know, it just was like it was like a, a like yeah, just like a totally different like outlet to see 
you know, you know, that kind of wrestling when, you know, in America, women's wrestling was very, very limited. Yeah, even though there was some pretty good stuff in, uh, I think, uh, AWA, just WWF yeah, never AWA liked the way. definitely had this, for sure. Yeah, yeah it had yeah, Sherry Martell, Medusa, and then uh, later on, LPWA was all-women's promotion, which was like glow, but serious women's yeah. wrestling. I would recommend everyone check out LPWA for some great classic wrestling it's basically like it had you know it, like glow but like for real legit uh shit i actually uh you, you mentioned jumping bomb angels so itsuki yamazaki used to live in uh, i think she maybe still does live in new york and she would uh and she had a restaurant there and i got to eat at her restaurant a bunch of times and i actually got to eat dinner with manami toyota there when she came for the Shikara show, because uh, Isuki Yamazaki, she uh, she actually left wrestling and stayed in America, but she like was very she didn't want to talk about wrestling anytime she saw any of the fans, like because she was she was for some reason like kind of unhappy with her run. But I like years after seeing her the first time and her not wanting to talk wrestling at all, I saw her at Manami Toyota's 35th anniversary show in Japan after because she had started going to all these wrestling shows because Manami Toyota was coming over for Shikara and uh, uh, like Aja Kong and all her old friends basically were coming to New York to wrestle and so she got into wrestling and she ended up flying to Japan for that Manami Toyota show and I saw her there. I'm just, you know, talking about, you know, me and a great wrestler having a great memory, but she seemed like she kind of fell back in love with wrestling because of the American appreciation for Joshi uh, over the years. Yeah, there was a picture online of the Jumping Bomb Angels um, reuniting, and apparently it's the first time that they've been together in a really long time, even. Yeah, I love, you know... I love Joshi so much. It's my favorite uh, type of wrestling. I'm just a. So I have I've had the opportunity to meet and interview a lot of the wrestlers. I've just had such a wonderful time, you know, diving into Joshi. It's been my favorite thing in the world. So I gotta talk about the fact that people were really fucking weird about Joshi online, right? Like for some reason, they are. Like especially this week, what was the thing? There was something about Riho. That somebody was getting, someone was mad at Riho oh. because they thought she was a schoolgirl character or something. I was gonna say, oh, it wasn't yeah, that yeah, people yeah, were calling yeah. Kenny Omega a pedophile. Oh, yes, that's what it is. Riho, yep. right? That was yeah. it, yes. Kenny Omega, who, you know, has wrestled with Rio. Rio is a wrestler, she's a 25 year old adult woman she's yeah. wrestled for many years she trained under emmy sakura okay who is a very i i've i've been to emmy's dojo all right i've interviewed rio at the dojo nothing nefarious going on she's just a good wrestler and she's always loved and she's always been you know good at wrestling and I, when i it was strange when i interviewed her she she was thinking about kind of retiring from wrestling it was but it was a couple of years before AEW started she was just like you know i kind of just have been wrestling all my life but i don't really know like who i am what i want to do i've never had a boyfriend so i don't know if i want to keep wrestling and emmy sakura was like 
what is wrong with you, Rio? You need to decide what you want to do. You can't just keep wrestling because, you know, it's there. You have to make a decision for your own life. And she ended up making that decision to come to America for AEW. And I was shocked to see her and Emmy come, but they've done great. I love to see it. I love that story. Why the fuck are, like, American wrestling fans turning that beautiful story into something weird? Yeah. yeah, people. People um, earlier today, I, I was when I got home from work. I was looking at something on Twitter, and people were getting weird about Maki Ito too for some reason. Oh, yeah. oh, I can say I know what this is about. So here's what happened. All right, so it's hard to parse this. All right, because all right, so Maki Ito, for people who don't know, is a former uh, idol singer uh, who dressed and her gimmick is that she still is an idol singer that she wears a cute costume like she was a pop star like a britney sears a fallen britney spears that's what makito is sorry uh in wwe in uh w uh nxt now is a joshi wrestler and she was her gimmick was that she was just like this young vibrant wrestler but they've rebranded her into this with this weird promo that where she's wearing a literal Japanese schoolgirl outfit and talking about her hopes and her dreams, but in a very childlike way, as like Sailor Moon ish kind of. And she has this really cheap, ugly looking uh, medallion that's supposed to give her power. It's weird, and people were like very weirded out by it. And when people were weirded out by it, the WWE fans were then saying, Wait a minute, how are you saying that this is like a weird schoolgirl fetish when you have Maki Ito? When they're not the same thing, all right? They don't have that. Those are two completely different gimmicks characters. One is based on this real woman's real life. This other is making an adult woman act like a teenager, which I I feel like is a common thread in like NXT gimmicks. Because wasn't that like Bailey's gimmick? Too, that she acted like she was like a 12 year old for some reason when she first started yeah yeah very yeah. early on <laughs> i think yeah but they're just so but so they were trying to be weird so they were trying so in order to defend sorry they were trying to be weird about maki Ito. even though maki and people keep i've heard people mention the maki Ito thing because they don't they just don't get it like it's funny it's like she's supposed to be a delusional pop star who is thinks that succeeding and wrestling will get her back in the good graces of her production company and launch her uh career like i don't know why people are being weird about that and they also and a lot of people don't seem to understand that singing and joshi go hand in hand because uh people uh acts like the crush girls and the jumping bomb angels were legitimately pop stars in japan and wrestlers like they were number one on the charts massively successful bigger as big as hulk hogan was in america at their time like this and with and popular with young girls young women so as, as big as britney spears so singing and joshi go hand in hand it's not you can't really one-to-one it to some weird thing that wwe is doing well, and the Makiito thing as well, that's like her own creation. Whereas with Sarai, it's like very, very obvious that, that Bruce Pritchard or some other fucking Vince yeah. throne has like forced it upon her. Yes. Clearly, clearly nothing to do with it. I've, I've, I've seen uh, Sarai's uh, uh, many times in Japan. She used to wrestle for the Diana Dojo. She's very, very 
good wrestler. I don't know why you need to really like make her into this uh, this Sailor Moon type character, especially when like there are like Joshi that have like Sailor Moon style characters that just work better because they have better costumes. Like this was like a not this was literally what a schoolgirl would wear, and it, it's kind of like creepy. In fact, um, the way they shoot it, it's very bizarre. I don't know, especially since NXT is supposed to be like the sexier show. Like they do like. They do like make horny videos out of the wrestlers. With I've Mandy seen. Rose, especially. Yeah, I was just with, with with say Mandy Rose. Yeah, um, which I which I'm not I'm not knocking, but like when you're also putting Sari as a schoolgirl in there, I, I have a few questions. It's, yeah. it's problematic. Yeah, I mean, I, so I I actually cover both NXT and Dynamite for uh, for work. I I write for um, thesportster.com uh, and review review both NXT and Dynamite and NXT is NXT 2.0, excuse me. Uh, it's, get, it's getting, it's not getting, it actually is now, if I wasn't being paid to watch it, there's literally no way that I'd be watching it. And it's so hard to get through. It's not even just the way that they've, uh, not even just with the, the sort of Sarai thing and changing Walter's name and stuff like that. The pacing of the show and the way the show is just formatted and the, and the lighting and everything, it just looks like it just it's horrible <laughs> i tried to watch a few minutes of it i swear to god it gave me motion sickness i'm like sometimes yeah. there's a good match like water and roderick strong had a bloody good match but the the, the production is just all over the place man it's hard to watch I, I tried to watch that that last takeover that um they had and the the way that they, the, yeah, the way they do like the jump cuts and all, I, I just, I don't know how people watch that every week. <laughs> it's amazing how they somehow do like five different camera cuts in the middle of one move as yeah. well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Somebody was like climbing on the ropes and there was, there was, yeah, there was like six cuts and it, like, how is that possible? I remember watching Wrestling Society X back in the day and yeah. thinking, okay, that's too much. Now that shit looks like Stanley Kubrick compared to that. Yeah, yeah. It's like, that looks like Mid-South in comparison to uh, this stuff. All right. Well, I have had a great time talking with y'all. Let's do this more regularly. I thank you so much, everyone I'm who down. listened, Charlie and Shane. Let's let's keep it up. Whenever there is, you know, some good wrestling going on, let's watch it together. Let's talk about uh, talk about because I had a great time. But I'm gonna get to bed. But thank y'all so yeah. much uh, for joining me on Culture. I had an absolute blast. Thank you, Philip. Thank you, everyone who uh, called in and listened. Much appreciated. Love y'all. Thanks Peace. for having me, man. Thanks for having me. Take it easy, guys. Have a good night. Bye-bye.